0: Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series, giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing
1: challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere.
0: Jacob's former president of the Compliance Institute and a compliance professional for over 20 years. And it is a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. We have been examining in the compliance files, the different important roles that compliance professionals interact with and who are key stakeholders in our voice of series. So today we are exploring the role of procurement, which has been misunderstood and has been viewed as a necessary back office process and sometimes a hoop To jump through. The long sideline benefits and potential of procurement are beginning to be recognised not just in cost efficiencies but in driving transformation and performance across an entire organisation or business. The way services are delivered to customers is changing fast which presents a new set of challenges and procurement now needs to constantly understand and monitor the landscape, ask tough questions and drive the conversation about how to facilitate innovation and development. And of course, with regulation of things like outsourcing and spotlight on delivery of services thrown up by that pandemic means that compliance professionals need to understand procurement and the risks as well as the benefits. So I'm delighted to have with me today, Rachel Dolan, Head of Procurement and Supplier Relationship Management for Permanent TSB. As Head of Procurement and Supplier Relationship Management for the past five years, Rachel has led the bank's cost optimization program via internal and external partners, driving innovation and delivering significant savings with a relentless focus on strategic transformation via people, processes and technologies. Rachel is a dynamic and transformational leader. She has put environment and social governance at the heart of her mission. Rachel is a straight talker, a troubleshooter and problem solver, who has designed and delivered cost savings and has implemented risk and governance frameworks to support enterprise goals. She's a graduate of both Trinity College Dublin and University College Dublin. And I'm delighted that Rachel is here to discuss with me today, her role, leading a procurement function for a number of years. So thank you, Rachel. It's great to talk to you today and really give of your time um, to the compliance files. Uh, If we could start with yourself, um, Rachel, can you talk us through your career and how you find yourself leading a procurement function?
1: Hi Kathy, and thank you so much for the the very warm welcome. Uh, delighted to be with you today, sharing some insights. Um, yeah, so I'm very much a an accidental banker, but have been in banking for for over twenty years, um, and I've worked across uh, a number of banking institutions here in Ireland, mostly in in retail banking, and over the years, um. I suppose my skills as, as being a problem solver or being interested in transformation or organisational design have meant I've been lucky enough to traverse various areas around the different organisations. So I've been in permanent TSB for about nine years. I started in um, our operations area uh, where I was involved in heading up mortgage litigation, outsourcing providers and legal services. I then was asked to do some work around um, third-party oversight, third-party management, supplier due diligence, risk and compliance. I then was asked to support the bank in a deleverage programme where I did um, due diligence around mortgage files for securitization and sale. And as a part of that, um, I suppose I built a very strong stakeholder network across the bank. Um, I was working in finance at that time because deleverage and securitization is run out of the finance department and finance had recently become responsible for and had a space in their senior leadership team for somebody to lead a procurement transformation. So uh, I was very fortunate at that time to be asked by Eamon Crowley, our now CEO or then CFO, uh, to see what I go in and I suppose transform the bank's procurement function they so very much um, an accidental banker and maybe an accidental procurement professional. Uh, but I'd probably just finish off on that by saying I've definitely found my home, Kathy, Procurement is a wonderful place to be, particularly if you're interested in enabling and supporting the business. Um, and I suppose giving expert advice and helping them achieve their strategic objectives. So I think it's probably something that um, may be misbranded, but both procurement and compliance really have in common you know so we're we're a part of those enablers that help the business get the business done and it's about I suppose stakeholder management understanding the needs of your customer and helping them deliver so uh, I've really landed landed on my feet and I, I love being in procurement brilliant thanks um Rachel and a, a really wide-ranging career actually
0: um and you're very well placed now to to to, to lead a procurement function I would I would um I would say, um, given the very broad stakeholder that group that you have. So can you just sell procurement to us? Can you describe the value add of procurement and how does, um, uh, your organization, um, benefit, um, from procurement support and help it to achieve its strategic objectives?
1: Yeah. So I suppose procurement is, um, the purchasing side of what employees are within the bank. So maybe if I make that a little bit simpler. So, you know, to run a successful business, we're dependent on two things, our people and, and then what additional product and service we need in order to achieve our objectives. So we're all very familiar with how we we manage and work our people and our resources and our human capital. But c- curement is the key driver in everything else. Okay, so all of our purchase of technology, professional services, augmented resourcing around temporary labor, daily rate contractors, everything from purchasing the keypads in a branch to the detailed embedded digital integration platforms that we use to run our products on all come through procurement because anything that you have to buy will come through procurement. So the real value add of our function is that procurement professionals are Subject matter experts, so when they're buying technology, they understand technology products, they understand how to navigate the world of technology and negotiate technology contracts. They're commercial and negotiation experts, so they're able to deliver commercial leverage and negotiation expertise in order to make sure that the bank is optimizing its cost or getting the best value for money. And then they support the interaction with all of the other areas that you need in order to buy services. And I suppose that's where we meet the likes of compliance, legal, information security. So just like an employee file has to pass a number of tests, a purchase or a supplier also has to pass those tests. And procurement is really the project manager, right, of getting the business need from out there in the marketplace. Into and integrated in the organisation and providing the product or service that we need. Thanks, uh, Rachel, for that really clear
0: um description there. And um, would you say that the way that the bank services are delivered to customers are is changing rapidly, and 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 does that present a challenge for your function?
1: Yes, it certainly does. Um, it presents probably a challenge for all functions. So. We're no longer dealing with the steady state and we're dealing changes in customer appetite and how customers want to be dealt with and the customer of the future. changes everything we need in the background. So a simple example of that would be maybe somewhat historic. Customers don't use checkbooks anymore. So we don't need to buy paper, develop checkbooks, print checkbooks. What does the customer want? They want an app on their phone. So we have to completely pivot From knowing about what we need to service our customer in a traditional landscape to what we need now in a new forward-looking landscape and that just opens up a whole plethora of things that we've never had to consider before so buying a piece of technology is very different to buying a machine okay or certain like a typewriter like typewriters and computers are different right I'm going back way before my own time, Cathy, but um, hopefully the analogy works. So as customer appetite changes and we're in retail banking and we know it ourselves as banking customers, people don't want to necessarily go to a branch anymore. They want something in a handheld device. That changes how we produce our product, how we sell our product, how we serve our customers. So the appetite for purchasing, particularly around technology, um, is unprecedented I would say and the challenge for procurement in that respect is procurement is often seen as a as something that you have seasoned procurement professionals so people that have been buying things for 20 years or buying the same type of things for 20 years a lot of what people have been buying no longer exists and the things that we're buying now are new to everyone so ensuring that you're getting you know the right commercial model ensuring that you have the right contract in place ensuring that you're protecting the bank from the risks that this product is exposing us to is all new and extremely challenging. Thanks,
0: Rachel. Um, Now, uh, going to um, a subject close to hopefully all our listeners' hearts. Um, Can you describe the impact that regulation um, has had on the procurement function and um, I'm sure there are challenges with it, but can you, have you seen any benefits? as well as challenges
1: which am I doing first maybe I'll, I'll warm myself up to some of the benefits Kathy. but um, look you know regulation has impacted it, it impacts both internally within our within our internal processes and how we engage with the market externally so maybe if I take them in turn externally you um, mentioned one of them I think in your intro you talked about outsourcing uh, as an example so when you move a business model from one that's traditionally insourced where you do everything yourself and you're controlling it yourself and and back to the example of the employees and i suppose you're you're minimizing the risk or you're certainly comfortable mitigating the risk because it's it's quite traditional how you do things when you start to outsource which is something that the regulator is absolutely very fond of viewing you are supposed to moving elements of control elements of oversight elements of governance and assurance and you have to set up infrastructure around that to make sure that you're managing it in the same way and that can be challenging for the business because the whole point of outsourcing is really supposed to make it easier it's not supposed to develop sort of the entire body of people again on the inside just to oversee what you've outsourced so regulation in that space is something that we've all been dealing with for a number of years Um to know it quite well. It's much harder to supposed to educate the business around it. It's very challenging in that respect. Um, more recently, outsourcing conversation has moved to things like cloud. So cloud regulation, particularly around the example of the clients who are being able to buy products and service their bank accounts on their phone. We buy things off Amazon every day, we share our payment information with all manner of providers and we've no idea in most cases where that information is going. It's very different when you're dealing with a heavily regulated retail bank where the, as the custodians of data and everything else, the regulations are so significant. It's much more difficult for the bank to provide um, services that are easily picked up on the in the cloud, which is what the customer expects when you're trying to navigate what can be a minefield of regulation in those areas. So that's how it shows up for us, I guess, externally, because procurement has been asked to buy something and and we're trying to support this kind of risk-based approach to to bringing services into the bank. And that can be difficult for the business because they just want the app on the phone, you know, straight away. And internally around processes, regulation shows up in loads of places, right? So, When you're in the first line, you just think about risk being a a monolith. But when you go to buy something, you don't realize that you're dealing with the financial risk or you're dealing with cyber risk or you're dealing with data risk. And you've so many obligations and so many risks to mitigate across all of those areas. And procurement, for, for, for rightly or for wrongly, tends to be the guardian of those checks, right? Because we're the gatekeeper we're the ones that allow the service or the product into the bank. So we have to make sure that the business is following everybody's regulation. So it's not just the data protection only care about data protection. Cyber only care about cyber. Information security only care about information security. So you'll have checklists from every part of the bank and the poor business just wants the app on the phone for the customer. So that also presents a challenge. And um, If I try and consider the benefits... Um, some of the benefits are the business really has to consider when it goes to spend money and what it's buying so they don't just you know there was a time where you could just go buy anything from anyone it's easy to do you know just create a new contract create a new purchase order create a new requisition now we're challenging the business to really think more wholesomely about who the bank wants to do business with and, and how we want to spend our money so Ideally, the benefit should be a more streamlined approach to accessing um, services um, and also a more educated approach. So we're doing a lot around gathering data and information around the supplier landscape and who the bank would like to use to minimise, Cathy, the constant due diligence, compliance reviews, risk reviews. So, look, you could argue that the business would suggest it's probably a bit of a spin that it is making for better business, right? Or it's making for improved businesses because we're we're cutting out the people that we don't want to deal with. We're not dealing with millions of people in millions of areas because we're reducing it to, to having the right provider for the right service that will be safe for the bank.
0: Now, uh, maybe a tricky question now, how important is an effective relationship between procurement and
1: compliance teams? And in your view, what does good look like? Um, It's really important, Cathy. Like, it's really important because if we're not joined and singing from the same hymn sheet about ensuring that we're mitigating risk to the bank, then we're doubling up the work for the business. And the business are essentially our customers, right? And then the business customers are the bank's customers. Okay, so it's important that we um make it as easy as possible for them to do business. So if we operate in silos between procurement and compliance, and I say, well, I'm just doing procurement. So I only care about the commercial construct of the contract. I, I only care about how much you're going to pay for this. I'll do my business. And then I send the business off to seven different other people around the bank to ensure that, as I said, you know, this piece is done from a consumer protection point of view, this piece is done from a data protection point of view, this piece is done, and that is, it. it takes longer There's more risk in the process because you can miss something by going here, there, and everywhere. If the compliance functions and the procurement functions work together, they streamline the requirements for the business. So if we look at it holistically, we're able to see that um, actually you don't need this checklist and that checklist. We can put it all together and do it as a part of one. Like if we operate in silos, we create barriers to the business doing business when we operate together and singing off the same hymn sheet, look, um, I think we'd be lying to ourselves to say often, you know, procurement is blamed for certain things or compliance is blamed for certain things and blamed for certain things to each other. So if we're working together and we're working in think and the end goal is to achieve what the business really wants, then I think it's a much stronger voice and a much more credible press.
0: I, I love what you just said there about silos creating barriers. I think that, that that's quite a, um just a, a powerful message actually. Um, so now here's your chance, Rachel, uh, <laughs> to talk to the compliance community and say, um, what could we do to make your role easier?
1: Look, I think knowledge is, is really like, is really important. So I think you would find you, the compliance function, I suppose, would like the business to understand more the why why they're there the what they're doing the how it's helping the business achieve the right end right procurement is the same so really seeking to understand you know what the procurement professional is doing what the process and the challenges are for procurement around navigating that process with the business and then supporting that guiding principle of continuing to improve instead of at times it can be, and I, and I don't want to use the checklist approach again, but it's, well, no, sorry, this is the compliance checklist, for example. And I might say, well, it's very, very similar to this other checklist over here that does, you know, is there any way we could work T- together to I suppose streamline that yeah and step up out of the weeds and just generate you know a community of people trying to improve the process end to end sometimes they think and I'm sure compliance suffers in the same way people think they know what you're doing or think they understand you know the impact or your objective or the role it's the same with procurement um, but it's not often the case if, if you stepped into our world whether that's you know speaking to me or a day in the life and understanding how you know the challenges that we're navigating and how maybe you can help us and vice versa that we can step into your world be the challenges that you're navigating and perhaps we can help with that education as well but I think you know that's the most important seek to understand each other um, and how we can better work together to it's a simple thing business have a need and they want the need fulfilled and we just tend to be both the barriers that they be that they have to jump over in, in the middle to get from a to b Great. so uh, mutual understanding yes absolutely uh, that would yeah. be just talking about
0: customer centric culture that um that you know all financial institutions all businesses really uh, need to have you know at the at the heart of what they do how does procurement what what's their role in making sure that the customer is
1: always at the heart of decision making Maybe there's two answers to this question, Cathy, for us. Like, first of all, who is the customer of procurement, right? So obviously, the retail banking customer is the customer of PTSD. And they are the heart it. everything that we all do. And the way in which I guess we support that customer is in the same way it is the bank develops new products. We need to think around what we're purchasing and the impact that that purchase will have on, on an enduring basis on the customer. So for example, when we're buying or supporting the business to buy technology products, we're being that check and challenge around what will this look, look like for the customer? How will this operate is it over time? How will it operate with the other things we have or the other things we've bought for servicing our customer? That's one way, but it's a little bit removed. I think if you see the business as our customer are um, your internal stakeholders being our customer, serving them in the best way and then allowing them in turn to serve our customers. So back to the point about sort of removing barriers to them doing business, making the process easier. The less time they have to spend with us, you know, knocking down barriers or whacking each mole along the way, the more time they have to serve the customer to think about better solutions for serving our customers. So really, if we take our internal stakeholders as our customers, and how we make life easier for them and how we bring our expertise to bear on what they're doing and support their decision making. I think that in turn then has the positive effect on our customer because it gives them the time and the space to focus on delivering for the customer. And it gives the customer confidence that what the staff is fully
0: empowered and doing Absolutely. what they're supposed Okay, so moving on to another topic really, um, but one that is uh Huge um a huge emerging issue, and that's ESG. What role um do you think procurement has a role to play in achieving ESG objectives? Um, and what role, if any, it'll play in organizations successfully achieving their ESG objectives?
1: So procurement has a huge role to play um, in ESG and in um Specifically, any organization sustainability strategy, but across the whole economic, uh, sustainable and, and governmental pillars. So, specifically from a procurement perspective, it's slightly different in banks. In general, outside of banking, the supply chain of an organisation can make up a massive proportion of, for example, carbon emissions. I mean, it's up to 80 to 90% of an organization's carbon emissions can come through the supply chain. In financial services, it, it, there's a massive shift or an alter to that or another side to that coin. So in financial services, and particularly for an organisation like ours, a lot of our carbon is in our assets. So, A lot of the carbon is in the underlying loan portfolios, for example, and the assets which we secure through our financial products. So in the bank it certainly has two massive ways in which it impacts across the sustainability agenda. One is around that it's the products that it sells, um for example, we know about green mortgages and, and and having uh sustainable type products. So our product development is hugely impacted. We then have our existing asset classes and how they impact particularly the environment around carbon and that's everything from energy rating in homes and um, that that we have secured by way of mortgages. So they're two large pieces, but then procurement on their own, the entire supply chain also impacts everything we do across the ESG landscape. So the types of things that we're doing in procurement to support the sustainability agenda are things like um, gathering data in the first instance across our supply landscape. So we're working at the moment and we're we're hoping to, to sign a contract with an organisation called EcoVADIS. EcoVADIS provides data and rating for organisations globally in relation to a whole range of ESG criteria. And what that will mean is that organizations that PTSB will do business with in the future and our existing strategic suppliers, we will want them to be registered with Ecovada in terms of giving us information around their ESG credentials. And we will be able to monitor their ESG credentials in real time on an ongoing basis. And we'll be able to manage those partnerships through an ESG lens. So everything that we commit to as an organization and how we want to show up as an organization in relation to ESG, we will also be able to monitor and impact that in our supplier organizations particularly by choosing large strategic partners that we want to do business with okay so particularly where we spent a lot of money so sustainable procurement is a, is a real key focus for my team over the course of, of certainly the next 12 months the hygiene factor really in procurement is having sustainability at the heart of what you do you know even far back at the last time we bought uniforms the material that's used to buy the uniforms using recycled plastic in the uniforms having catering um, in a way that are we recycling the cooking oil? Are we having waste food collected? So everything from how we run our day-to-day business to how we interact with large digital providers and how they show up in terms of do we outsource to nearshore partners and how do they look after their organisation? So it's absolutely... Across the board, a a procurement focus and a strategic focus for procurement. We could do a whole podcast, Kathy, on sustainable procurement. But I'm happy to take any specific questions because I know I ramble off on this sort of topic. It's certainly something that we're really interested in.
0: Well, do you know that was fascinating? And uh, Rachel, I may take you up on that offer for um a a future podcast on ESG because this is something we are going to come back time and time again. And that was that was fascinating and really informative because, um. You know, you've really painted the picture of procurement as
1: being a key enabler for an organisation and meeting its... Um, absolutely, goals, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as we set up particularly to to understand, right, to gather data, to understand the supplier landscape and uh, what the ESG credentials are of the supply base that we deal with. Once the information becomes known, that's when it becomes something that needs to be managed, right, and once it needs to be managed, a challenge is around read or think and train capability and capacity within the organization. there's a lot of talk around ESG being, you know, it should be a part of everything we do, but and to manage ESG as a driver in our business will require capacity and will require resources. So a very simple example of procurement is if we start to score or rate our suppliers with regards to their ESG credentials. That's something we will have to monitor from a governance and oversight perspective. That's something we will have to check in with them, put them on, you know, action plans or mediation plans. And we have to, that's not something that we're doing today. So the challenge already is to, it's sort of twofold. The, The narrative from the top down is it needs to be a part of everything we do. It needs to be a part of every business, decision, which it does absolutely But we do have to remember that in order to successfully manage our ESG agenda will require capacity and capability that we don't currently have. And I definitely see that being something, you know, even just a very small level within my own team, I'll have access to a lot of information. But how and what will I do with that information is going to be the next the next key hurdle.
0: That's a, that's a kind of a neat segue for me to give a plug to the Compliance Institute's Professional Diploma in Sustainable Finance for Compliance Professionals. So we, we have a qualification um, in ASG, so um, cool. uh, any of our listeners who who, who want to um, avail of that uh, qualification, um, you, should, you should go onto our website. Now, pivoting again, Rachel, to governance uh, and things like due diligence, um, how important is
1: that? In your opinion, when outsourcing, well, it, it's fundamental, right? So it, it it's fundamental to the effective of working of an outsourcing relationship, and I mean continued robust risk management of your own organization. So at its simplest, from a from a profit point of view, outsourcing it makes sense, right? If if you don't have the skills or capability within your own organization, if you don't. Have scale within your own organization or if what you're doing is so repeatable that it's been done by somebody else for a number of other providers. So outsourcing absolutely makes sense from a business model perspective um, and particularly for small to medium-sized organizations where they can get economies of scale by using an outsourced provider. Um, I suppose our understanding of outsourcing and and what it really means is, is developing because it's not just Once you give the thing away, you have to ensure that it's managed to a standard and a quality that you would manage it to within your own organization. So managing your outsourced partner to SLA, you know, to service level agreements or to key performance indicators, meeting them on an ongoing basis, doing quality assurance checks, et cetera, is key. So my own experience of managing partners, whether it be outsourced or hybrid partners, um, and particularly where they're potentially impacting a customer or customer facing, you have to make sure that they are, for example, in a regulatory environment, if you outsource part of a mortgage process, for example, you have to make sure that that provider is meeting all of the regulatory criteria, sending all of the letters at the right time. The only way you can know they're doing that is by overseeing them so implementing a governance infrastructure that they're showing and proving to you on a regular basis that the service you've purchased for them is operating as you would expect it to and where there are issues that you're you're aware of them that there's mitigation to fix them or if new things happen so if i use the mortgage processing example again if there's a new piece of regulation or a new piece of code or a new letter that needs to be sent for example or a new call that needs to be made or a new warning on a product you need to make sure that your service provider is implementing all of that change into the process that, you've, that, that you have agreed with them. So in procurement handoff, like we we sort of have a handoff role where we can let a contract up, but then it moves into the more supplier relationship management role. And what's the risk of this contract? What's the implication of these contracts obligations? What are the services within this contract? And how do you make sure that the partner over the life of that contract performs in the way that you would expect? So it is the most important thing okay so like getting you to having the outsourced service is just the start of the story it's then when you're in service how you make sure that that partner continues to perform as expected so we're
0: coming to the end now rachel and um looking to the future what do you see as the upcoming developments over the short and medium
1: term for procurement and regulation in this area and uh, this to you, maybe a topic on its own kathy because it's it, there's loads going on in procurement and it, it can often depend where you are at the maturity curve and also what size of your organization is. So if I speak to what I know and, and in my own organization, we've been through a significant transformation. So setting a really strong framework around how we work procurement processes, how we source for the organization, how we understand our, our landscape, how we manage. So we've, we've done a huge piece of work around organizational transformation. Now it's quite important for us to go on an improved technology journey how do we automate what technology is there to support um procurement and the interactions with the organization do do we need to consider changes around our procure to pay system do we need to consider changes around our contract life cycle system so there's a technology journey for our procurement organization to go on and then the next thing around procurement is it weirdly kind of links to the outsourcing conversation procurement requires such a breadth of domain experience deep domain knowledge, but also cutting-edge understanding of every different product and service that you could possibly buy. You question whether or not in smaller organisations, it's possible to have full-service procurement and sourcing available for every possible eventuality. So something that we've engaged with them in PTSB is we have a hybrid model around working with experts, right, the procurement experts, where we can... Select from a pool of people who can help us if a new type of product or service comes up that we don't have the experience with, or a large program. So you have once in a lifetime type of program. And say you want to transform your data center or you want to completely transform your um, digital infrastructure it won't happen all the time so you don't need procurement professionals there to be able to deal with that all the time but you do need to be able to deal with it for the period in which that project is there so operating model is going to become a really interesting one and i would probably just to hit on the regulation piece and maybe bring it back to um, sustainability every bank for example. So my counterparts in other organisations are dealing with the exact same issues around capability and capacity to to adhere to the associated regulation in the ESG space. So you would ask whether or not coming together for something like that makes sense. Like, are there synergies around how we do this? and um, Are there synergies around how we show up in our industry? As opposed to how we show up in our organization and i nearly go so far as to say kathy that's possibly similar for some other regulatory pieces like we shouldn't compete in my view in banking there's no differentiator between how we all comply with regulations or how we all comply with it it's not a point of competitive difference so potentially there are some synergies Um, around that, that we can explore. And in the ESG space, from a procurement perspective, it's certainly something that I'm interested in exploring. Come to the
0: end of our podcast, uh, Rachel. So thank you so much um, for being so generous with your um, expertise um, and time today. Um, And thank you also to the listeners of this Compliance Files podcast, which is brought to you by the Compliance Institute. I'm sure that you find the podcast interesting and useful. And we would be very grateful if you would review or rate this podcast. And until the next episode, goodbye.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.